This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. Shotgun snap, Murray quarterback run to the left. He's at the 20, to the 15, to the 10. Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou and Paul Calvisi. Welcome to July, otherwise known as the last month of freedom for Paul and others here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Paulie, veterans report to training camp in exactly three weeks. Hmm. Craig, did you know that Americans typically eat 150 million hot dogs or so on Independence Day, according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council? I have fun facts coming off the July 4th holiday. Like, according to the American Pyrotechnics Association, Americans spend more than $1 billion on fireworks every year. And um, as of 2016, July 4th was the number one holiday for beer sales in the U.S., according to the National Beer Wholesalers Association. And I can only anticipate you now saying that you put a dent into that on Monday. I did my part as an American to uphold as the number one beer sales holiday uh, on the calendar. Yes, I did indeed. I can confirm as much. Sources tell me. All right. We are now charged here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Training camp, yes, it is right around the corner. And there are questions. There are big questions. Big, big questions. And there might even be a few concerns as well. The biggest question that fans want to know, Paul, is Kyler Murray going to be getting that contract extension prior to veterans reporting to training camp, or does it happen during training camp because we do not need that drama surrounding this team when they report to State Farm Stadium. You just can't keep it simple, can you? No, we cannot. Just ask the question, will he get the contract or not? He will. Uh, The question is when and how much. And to that, we don't have an exact answer now, do we? Now, if you were to tell me that on the EVA training camp and players and veterans are supposed to report on July 26th and somewhere on July 25th or maybe on the 26th itself – There's a big press conference and an announcement and an even bigger contract, the largest in franchise history. Sure, I'd believe that. However, my gut feel, and I really shouldn't answer this question as to a timetable. I should should sort of go the route when they ask for our draft grades every year. I just decline and just say, no, no draft grades until we see these guys. I would say, you know what? It might not be until the middle of August, if for no other reason than to tell the agent, you don't control things around here, buddy. That, you know what? We're not setting a sort of precedence to let it be known that we're going to follow your timetable. That, indeed, this will be done on a club basis. Now, that could be the way it goes. Maybe not. What does Kyler do? We've heard a variety of different things and reports and sources say that he may or may not show up without that contract. Uh, who knows? But it is the biggest thing, and you know that NFL Network will probably have a reporter here to start things because it has been national news. It's been basically what has been the focal point for this Arizona Cardinals team this offseason. But as history has shown us, Buda Baker, contract extension during training camp, not before. Good point. DeAndre Hopkins, contract extension during training camp, 
not before. Forgot about that. So there is some history, and I know people have doubts about Kyler Murray. Maybe not so much his play on the field. Some consistency needs to be there, but his talent is undeniable. DJ Humphreys, his starting left tackle, talking about Kyler Murray on a message for all those doubters for K-1. If you think that Kyler's not our future, you are a plum fool. You know what I mean? I just, I say that again. If you think that he's not our future, you are absolutely, you need to slow down on the drinking in the daytime. You know what I mean? Like the, I know Scott's still big on Sunday Funday, but you got to dial it back a little bit, you know? I am not a plum fool. I'm not a day drinker. And to DJ's points, yes, we all remember what this position, the quarterback position, looked like without Kyler Murray. Right at the helm. No QB, no chance. Everybody now. That is the mantra in the NFL. And when like a Dan Orlowski, ESPN NFL analyst, who's a fine analyst, and he knows the position, when he comes out with a list, your top five quarterbacks to age 25 or younger, and Kyler's not on the list, Trevor Lawrence is number four, Mac Jones is number five, and sure, they have upside, I get it, but ask any defensive coordinator, Craig, who they'd rather game plan against and Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence every day of the week versus a Kyler Murray, who brings just the explosiveness, the ability to beat with the legs and the arm. And we saw it a lot last year with the mind as well going through his reads, who, according to a lot of the analytics and next-gen stats, throws the best deep ball in the NFL, the accuracy. There's so many different ways to beat you as a quarterback. So I think that's what, what DJ Humphreys is saying there. As a guy who had been there and done that, without a Kyler Murray and the future look bleak and what is the future Kyler is still most definitely the future especially at age 24. Two-time pro bowler AP rookie of the year that's just in his first three seasons there has to be something that you can look to long term with Kyler Murray you get that contract extension done and then all of a sudden you've got your franchise quarterback for 10-15 years for however long Kyler Murray wants to play Cliff Kingsbury on the way out the door as far as far as ending minicamp on what he expects out of Kyler Murray and perhaps a little hint of what the future holds. He's the leader of this franchise. You know, we're about to make him, I'm sure, the highest paid player in this franchise history. And, and so he understands what comes with that. And, and the guys know what he can be at his best. Now, the head coach, Paul, kind of wants this done like you and I <laughs> yes. before training camp That's because right. he's tired yeah. of answering questions and maybe put that out there as far as a contract for the franchise's highest paid player because either he knows it's coming or is just hoping that it comes so he can doesn't have to answer any of those questions. By the way, that sound you heard in the background was his truck actually idling. His F-150 was actually an idle before he took <laughs> off for his summer vacation, Cliff Kingsbury. There's nothing he would like more than to just, you know what, focus on football and football only and forget about the pesky media question. What's the latest with Kyler's contract and the whole deal? So, yes, eliminate any potential distraction. And at the same time, you know what? Once he is among the highest paid players in the game, I think as a head coach, you can be that much more demanding. You can look Kyler in the eye and say, guess what? You are compensated as one of the elite in this game, one of the top 10 highest paid players in this game. And what do all those players have in common? They're consummate leaders. And so if you get some of the anecdotal stuff that that we got during the offseason, that Kyler's leading film sessions after the seven-on-seven out on the field, guess what? That 
no longer is going to be notable. That's going to be expected. That is going to be you as the face of the franchise, paid like it, and expected to be part of the culture. I talked to A.Q. Shipley on the Big Red Rage recently, and we talked about Tom Brady. He is the culture of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just like Joe Burrow, even in year two, was the culture of a Bengals team that made a Super Bowl run. There's more than just numbers as far as your individual numbers what you do on the field and just not so much what the team does but what are you doing outside of that putting in the work before practice after practice every single day in order to get that franchise to where Kyler has said he wants not just the Super Bowl but Super Bowls so he sees himself as being that catalyst to get the franchise where it's never been before and you know what if you're that extra layer of accountability good That's what the best quarterbacks do. That's what Kurt Warner did. That's what Carson Palmer did. If a guy wasn't on the same page, he'd hear about it from his quarterback. What did A.J. Green tell us in his very radio studio twice this offseason? That, you know what, he wants Kyler to be vocal with him, wants him to hold him accountable if he messed up a read or an adjustment. That's what the great quarterbacks do. A.Q. Shipley told a great anecdote that one of the reasons the Buccaneers made that Super Bowl run is guys did not want to let Tom Brady down. He was there so early. He stayed so late. He was such a stickler for the details. He invested and devoted so much of his own time with young guys that no one wanted to let him down. So that's the path to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And and you know what? That's what the Cardinals have designs on with Kyler Murray. And hopefully Kyler is on that path to being that leader that we all want him to be, all anticipate him to be when you are that number one overall pick. His teammates certainly have Kyler's back. Zach Ertz recently on the Dave Patch podcast talking about his young quarterback. Kyler is the most talented player I've ever been around. Player? Player, period. There is no doubt. There's nothing he cannot do on a football field. He can be like Lamar Jackson and take off and run for 100-plus yards in a game. Or, in my opinion, he can sit in the pocket and not even worry about his legs and just dink and dunk all the way down the field. He's super, super accurate. And there's just nothing he can't do. I don't know. that I can't really explain it. And we saw that, Paul, for the first half of the season. Didn't see it so much the last half or even in the postseason. Our last visual of Kyler Murray is being on the sideline during that playoff loss to the Rams in which he played awful. Arguably the worst game of his career. Going back to youth football, high school football, college football, that's the last image we have of Kyler Murray. He needs to get that image out of our heads. No doubt. And I'm not going to disagree with that. That, that. that felt like the worst game he had played as a pro, even his debut against the Lions. You go back to that first half where he's running around like his chicken with his head cut off. And it just, the decision making, he just looked rattled in that Rams playoff loss. You wonder how much that has stuck with him in the offseason. Now, he was the only starting quarterback in the NFL not to hold a press conference, an official offseason press you conference. You would have liked to have heard so, from him this offseason. Yes, that would have been a great question. How much did that game stick with you? Is it still sticking with you? Because I relate it to a guy by the name of Lamar Jackson. You ever heard of Lamar Jackson, Craig, your 2020 NFL MVP? You know what happened in the 2019 postseason? He played one of the worst playoff games you'll ever see. And he used it as motivation, and he came back the very next year, and he dominated. He took it out on NFL defenses the entirety of that next season and got a playoff win as well. You hope that is the course 
that goes for Kyler Murray coming off that heinous playoff performance. Not just him, the entire team, but what happened in L.A. to open the postseason. Because that is the question that people are going to ask repeatedly. Not just that playoff loss, but hey, started fast now several years in a row. But you got to be able to maintain that through 17 games. And you got to wonder, are defensive coordinators watching the film two years in a row? making adjustments and then it's incumbent upon Kyler and the Cardinals offense adjust to the adjustments and is that part of what is that part of the reason the Cardinals self-scouted their offense this year and added tight ends and running backs so it's not as easy to decipher more on Kyler Murray and what this offense might look like and some concern up front on the guys who are protecting Kyler Murray as we continue here it's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek Get your seats in AC. Craig Riolu and Paul Calvisi here on a Tuesday on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And here comes the Cardinal offense. Rodney Hudson, viewed by many as the best center in football. We're working through something with him. As soon as we know, we'll, we'll have that update. Excused or um, not excused? I can't. Not right now. Not good news when the starting center, Rodney Hudson, is absent from mandatory minicamp, and it's an unexcused absence. In fact, the only player, the only Cardinals player missing from mandatory minicamp as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. We talked about concerns, and it is, for me, Paul, the only Big concern outside of the fact that what's this offense going to look like without DeAndre Hopkins? That's We've been talking about that forever. It's what do you do now before Kyler Murray gets the ball, before a Hollywood Brown gets the ball, a James Conner. Someone needs to snap that ball. I ask you here, who is snapping <laughs> yeah. the ball to Kyler Murray yeah. in 2022? You know what I needed at the very moment that Cliff Kingsbury shared that with the media, which was all news to us? I needed what George Washington's men got in 1778. More 4th of July. Fun facts, 4th of July, 1778, George Washington gave his soldiers a double ration of rum to celebrate the July 4th holiday. Very interesting. Did you also know, Craig, that three presidents have died on July 4th? Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and James Monroe. As I deflect from the real question here, okay? (laughs) That's what you're doing. And the reality that Rodney Hudson is a question. We thought the whole center position was taken care of last year, last offseason, when the Cardinals traded a third-round pick to the Raiders and gladly did so, gave up a third-round pick for a center that came in and gave them a Pro Bowl caliber performance that solidified the offensive line, that instilled confidence in the quarterback in the form of Rodney Hudson. And so if you're asking me, is this a potential concern, it's a resounding yes Anytime you're going from proven to unproven, anytime you're potentially going from known to unknown at a position like center with a five foot ten quarterback who relies on that interior offensive line to give him confidence to hang in the pocket and be able to see downfield. We all saw what happened in the playoff game. If you want to go back to that, the last impression of Kyla Murray, and if you're asking me the cause and effect, it was ninety nine. It was Aaron Donald blowing through the A and B gaps and just unsettling your quarterback. It was not an anticipated question going into training camp, yet here we are in July 
talking about perhaps the biggest question mark on this team, at least for me specifically on offense. But you're talking about someone that the head coach called the glue, a security blanket for all of us. Mm. Those were comments Cliff Kingsbury made about Rodney Hudson last season, and the numbers back him up. 9-3 and three with, 2-3 and three without, and you hope that without – does not count now this upcoming season. Look, we've seen life without Rodney Hudson. You saw it the year before. You saw the center getting pushed back into the pocket, collapsing the pocket from the inside out. Not good with any quarterback, especially one who's not six foot six and named Big Ben with pass rushers dripping all over him and still able to make throws downfield. You saw the ability of a Rodney Hudson. In week one at Tennessee, what did the Cardinals say after that game that there was an adjustment made mid-game that Rodney Hudson picked up, made a check, and there was a big chunk throw downfield that resulted in a touchdown because of something that Rodney Hudson detected in the Titans' defense. So whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, that position is absolutely vital. So if he isn't the guy, who is the guy? And is there someone else who can fill in if they're without a legitimate setter on the fly? Now, the five games that Hudson missed last season, Max Garcia started four. He's now with the Giants in New York. The only one that is currently on the roster that has starting center experience with the Cardinals is Sean Harlow. That's an option. Another option, Justin Pugh, whom head coach Cliff Kingsbury mentioned, was taking snaps at center this offseason. Justin Pugh on potentially playing center this season as he was a guest recently on the Dave Patch podcast. I've never played center before in my career, but I've seen guys play center late into their careers. Center mentally is just is so much tougher. And in our offense, the center makes a lot of the calls. That's why we prioritize that position every offseason. You've seen we had A.Q. Shipley, then Mason Cole, then went out and got Rodney Hudson. We clearly value that position. So to get some reps at center and see how that shakes out, it's interesting. It's fun. It, it makes you break a mental sweat. Now, considering the education that Justin oh, Pugh okay. had All at right. Syracuse yeah. University, uh-huh. certainly smart enough to play the center position, but much easier said right. than done. And I'll give Justin credit for at least attempting to play the position. Yeah. Whether it's a long-term answer, meaning week one, that's about as long-term as I'm going to go at the center position. Who knows? Look, Justin Pugh is a highly intelligent guy. Now, I'm not willing to say it has anything to do with his uh, college it helped. education. What I am willing to say is that, you know what? That does give you pause when you hear Justin Pugh say how demanding mentally that center position is for a guy who's high IQ like Justin Pugh, football and otherwise, and and also, by the way, has a decade almost in the league of experience. So for him just to move a couple feet to his right and take over a center position and then worry about that, okay. you know, it, it, it shows you that if indeed Rodney Hudson is not an option this year, let's just say, I don't know, he retires. Who knows what's going on? Nobody really knows. Then do they have to go get a, a center with experience because you already have other elements of this team that are going to be on a learning curve to start the season, like perhaps a Zayvon Collins, for example, right? Can you afford that at the center position, even if it's a highly experienced guy like Justin Pugh? I'd love to know what Steve Kime is thinking at this point. Well, you also have the trickle down. You move Justin Pugh, now all of a sudden it opens up a spot 
at left guard. Sure. Now is that Will Hernandez, who was penciled in to play right guard? So now all of a sudden, not only is it the center position, but it's your two guard spots yeah. that you're trying to figure out. And it could be Will Hernandez. He's played primarily left guard through his NFL career. I could easily see the Cardinals offensive line starting camp left to right. DJ Humphreys, Will Hernandez, Justin Pugh at center, Justin Murray at right guard. You're starting right guard last year, who's Almost entire season was wiped out by the back injury. Then a Kelvin Beecham will get some competition from Josh Jones at right tackle. So yes, but now all of a sudden you're dangerously thin when it comes to depth. Sean Harlow has proven is a good depth guy. I don't think he's a viable option to be your starting center for 17 games, even though he got you through a game a year ago. So you have to wonder uh, who's on that list, potentially on the list of a time time sign. Well, once upon a time, you would have hoped that on that list, or actually he was on this list, he was on the roster, A.Q. Shipley, sure. longtime center for the Arizona Cardinals. And again, making that move from guard to center or tackle to center, it's not just, and I joked about it, it's not just snapping the football, as A.Q. explained recently on the Big Red Rage. You got one hand between your legs. You got to make all the mental calls. You got to get everybody on the right page. Sometimes the quarterback's got his plate full with knowing all the pass game stuff. Now you're in charge of all the run checks. And, you know, there's so many different nuances that the center has to be able to help out, not only amongst the offensive line, but amongst the whole group. And so it's, it's definitely a difficult thing. You hope that the guy can make the transition, but it all comes down to, you know, just being comfortable. And when you've never really had your hand between your legs trying to block, you know, Vita Vea weighing 380, right? And, you know, you had to make all the calls beforehand and this, that, and the other. I mean, until somebody's done that, I don't I don't think it's uh, as easy as some people may think. It was a great conversation you and Rob Fredrickson had with AQ because part of that interview also had Shipley talking about you break center with a play in mind, then all of a sudden it's the center spot. Has to look at the defense and then maybe relay, hey, we can't use this play based off of what I am seeing, and then relay that to Kyler, to everyone else. And this is all happening in a matter of split seconds. And to ask someone who's never done it before, regardless of how long they've been in the league, Paul, it's it's a lot to ask. And I just, you know, as we sit here in July talking about the center position, you're not gonna have any stats whatsoever except for the amount of sacks you might give up, the amount of pressures you give up. But this is certainly very concerning. Once again, if you go from a known to an unknown, a proven to an unproven, do you think a defensive coordinator is going to test that position? Uh, Absolutely. They're going to test early in the game. They're going to show you a variety of exotic fronts and crazy shifts and motions just for the sake of changing it up at the last second pre-snap and testing the mental acuity of a center and the ability to call out the mic and make those adjustments. It's daunting. There's no doubt it's daunting. Not to mention once you do snap the ball, and we'll get to the snap itself in a minute, then all of a sudden you have an Aaron Donald positioned over you or a Vita Vea. I remember having these long conversations with AQ in the locker room and the rest of the offensive linemen where they'd be like, Damon Snacks Harrison, do you think he's really 340? He's listed at 340. He's got to be closer to 400. Vince Wilfork, probably close to 400 pounds. So these are the type of freaks you get on the nose. You have to worry about all that. You have to be stout at the point of attack. And then, oh, by the way, Kyler is primarily in the gun. And we saw last year, minus Rodney Hudson, there were some snaps that went awry. And all of a sudden, you get uh, just a bit outside. And that snap, all of a sudden, it discombobulates the entire play. If it gets you behind the sticks, it can snuff out an entire drive. So it is a big deal, this whole center position. Now, 
Does this mean that maybe Rodney Hudson is looking for more money because he realizes the value of a center? I don't know. Justin Pugh, you can hear there, is almost negotiating and saying, you know what, if I am the center, maybe I deserve a little more money because that's how demanding the position is. Well, right now, Hudson is the only offensive lineman, starting offensive lineman under contract for next season, let alone we're talking about this season. And hey, going into the draft, Steve Kimes said, and he wasn't even really asked about it. He just brought up on his own his newfound appreciation for the center position after watching Rodney Hudson last year to the point where he would consider taking a center in round one of a draft going forward, whereas before, he probably would not have. That's how much he's learned to appreciate the center spot. And this is coming from a guy who played offensive line. Hopefully, it's a question that gets answered sooner rather than later, as in, like, right now. Like, soon. Before everyone reports to State Farm Stadium and the start of training camp. Arizona Cardinals season tickets are available now. Visit azcardinals.com slash season for more information. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. it off. No running room off the right side. In fact, a loss of two on the play. Zaven Collins, the first guy there. And that is a big man coming down from the weak side, shooting the gap. Zaven Collins again. Throws over the middle, tipped into the air and incomplete. He was going for his tight end. Pass was off the mark. Zaven Collins had coverage that time, and it's fourth down. Zaven Collins bats that ball into the air with all of that great length. Use check in motion. It is a quarterback drop the middle. Lance's hit. Drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zavin Collins with the tackle. Zavin Collins, the rookie, at 260 playing downhill, came in and laid some lumber, baby. Well, as we continue the question portion of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. I'm not sure, Paul, if it's the biggest question of the defense, but maybe individually there is no player on that defense who has a bigger question mark next to their name than Zayvon Collins, the Cardinals' first-round draft pick who did not see a lot of playing time in year one. Well, we could have that debate. It would be a legitimate debate as to the biggest question on defense. If you're talking about the guy they hope will be calling the defense, making all the checks, replacing the guy who played the most defensive snaps of anyone on that defense a year ago in Jordan Hicks, and oh, by the way, was your second leading tackler and voted a team captain. That's the sort of respect he had in that locker room and is known as a high football IQ kind of guy. Those are some big cleats to fill, no doubt, if you're saving Collins. And you figure he's going to get every single imaginable chance as a first-round pick. But if Vance Joseph can't trust him out there, He will not see the field, and we saw that a year ago. We've seen that with other players, obviously, rookies or otherwise. If you don't earn the trust of these coaches, they're not willing to risk a big play touchdown, gifting an offensive touchdown because you made a mental error. The Jordan Hicks obstacle is out of the way. Now it falls on Zavin's shoulders, and he's got broad shoulders. 6'4", 260. He is measurably oh, he yeah. is a better player than a Jordan Hicks and Craig you know you stand next to the guy like man this guy plays middle linebacker are you kidding me he is enormous and he moves and you realize why he was taken 16th overall because he has the skill set he has those measurables the question is does he have the intangibles 
because you need those to be out there. You can be as athletic as any linebacker in the world, but if you take a false step the wrong way and now you're behind the play, you're never going to – the guard will be on you with a block. You will be impeded from getting to the ball carrier. Luke Keekley, Luke Keekley, who was, I mean, just a generational inside linebacker, yeah, he had athleticism. Yeah, he had the physical side of the game, but he was so intuitive. The reason a Larry Foote was able to play until age 58 on the Cardinals defense was because he could anticipate and use those instincts at the end of his career when he didn't have the athleticism. So if you can get the combination of what he brings physically and then get him to the point mentally where he's able to you know, seek and destroy and, and really discern some of these plays, well, now you have a guy that could be the epicenter of your defense. React. Don't think. Know where you're supposed to be once that offense has set. And if there's some motion, some movement, you are now able to react to that. And then if he is calling the defense, and that can be a totally other conversation, he just needs to be on the football field, find a spot for him to play as a first-round draft pick. But if he is calling that defense, now all of a sudden not only does he have to know where he's supposed to be, but get everyone else where they're supposed to be. And you know what? Maybe he's not that guy to start the year. Maybe it's a Nick Vigil. Maybe it's a Buda Baker who might be calling the defense. And I had this argument with Wolf and we hashed it out. I said, you know, that wouldn't be the end of the world to me as long as he's on the field. As long as he's one of those 11 and he's going sideline to sideline or is just bum rushing through the A and B gaps and stuffing the run. I mean, you got to run defense at a year ago. There were so it were five games where they allowed 150 yards rushing or more. So the run defense needs to improve. He needs to be part of that solution. He can't be part of the problem. If he is, then he's not on the field. Well, you need to receive a return on investment. Absolutely. In, order, yeah. in other words, snaps, defensive snaps. He was only talking about Zayvon Collins only on the field for 20% of the defensive snaps. Hicks? 97. Simmons, 92. And it was who else was on the field as well, Craig? When you're there in the last half of the season and a Tanner Vallejo is getting snaps over your first-round rookie, when a Joe Walker off the street was getting snaps instead of your first-round rookie. Now, how much of that had to do with the shoulder injury that he suffered? How ready was he to go? He mentioned himself he had had a couple of bad practices, which didn't help his bid for playing time in the second half of the year. Maybe he's trying to compensate for the shoulder injury. Nobody truly knows exactly what was involved, but you did see other players ahead of him not named Jordan Hicks. Well, let's hear from Zayvon Collins on exactly what he went through his rookie season. Obviously, you know, last year didn't go as, you know, everyone would want, but that's that's part of life. Um, Just learning from those mistakes, applying them to now, and trying to get better, which I have. I think that I've done a really good job in some of the areas that I've messed up as far as, you know, mental errors or, you know, stuff like that. He has the right mindset, Paul, which you like. Now it's okay. We need to see it, much like we did with Isaiah Simmons from year one to year two. And that jump now two different players as far as what they're asked to do as an inside linebacker, but we always talk about that jump from rookie year to year to regardless of position. Zayvon Collins now needs to follow suit and be Isaiah Simmons this year. Yeah, he, he has the work ethic. Okay, we know that. Many people have told stories of him coming in early, staying late, 
working with a Jordan Hicks who was actually giving of his time a year ago. One of the reasons he had the respect of everyone in that locker room, they drafted a guy to replace him, and he's still giving him extra time before practices. Vance Joseph, inside linebackers coach Bill Davis, working with him after practice. He has the work ethic. Uh, he also, uh, you know, I think uh, if you look at the passion for the game, you know, he wants to be good. He's not in denial. He needs. He realizes he needs the improvement. He needs to work. And so all that is there. Now the question to your point, can he – navigate that learning curve and make that jump from year one to year two and there is an expectation on not only isaiah simmons but zavin collins these two were drafted in back-to-back years to play a large part of the defense not just for this season the upcoming seasons but maybe long term being those anchors in the middle of the defense here is on simmons and collins defensive coordinator vance joseph it's their time. You know, Isaiah's going into his third year. Zayvon's going into his second year. They're first-round picks. They have to help us, you know, and um, it's heading that way. You know, I've been proud of Zayvon, how much time he's put in. Isaiah's always been a good worker. You know, it's, it's the next step for him. Obviously, watching him last year, he made plays, you know, but now he has to make consistent plays and not give up plays. You know, that's, that's his next challenge. And for Zayvon to stand healthy and, and keep learning, but both guys are physically gifted. You know, so we have to get those guys ready to play because we need them. The one big difference that those two now have going into this year is a full offseason. In other words, Isaiah Simmons didn't have it. He had limited work. But now being able to utilize this quote-unquote free time, if you will, not only during OTAs and minicamp on the field, but in the classroom, going back and looking at film from last season, where were the mistakes made? And then also highlight the positives as well. This is what we liked. We need to see more of this. And whether it's Vance Joseph uh, or another coach, a position coach, or a teammate, these guys need, and they have, been putting in the work. Now it's just, okay, well, now you need to see a reward for that work that gets put in. And only the coaches know if the if a Zayvon Collins, for example, is regular season ready. And how do you tell? Look, the offseason is great. Obviously, there's a lot of restrictions. You get into training camp. You got to go five practices before you can even get in pads. So now once you get into training camp, you're going to, I would presume, ask Cliff Kingsbury to run some pretty advanced offense to see if your inside linebacker is ready, if he can really make those checks. And mentally, is he equipped right now to handle it and call that defense? Because guess what? You're not going to see it in the three preseason games. The opposing offenses will be running vanilla stuff. It'll be nothing like the regular season. So you got to make your determinations in practice at Cardinals camp. Is he ready to go or not? And then structure your defense accordingly for that opener week one against oh by the way Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City well you got the Chiefs you got the Raiders you got the Rams those are your first three games out of the gates three very very capable offenses think about the offensive coordinators and the offensive minds you're going against if you're a Zayvon Collins and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes think about Josh McDaniels and what he's going to bring to the Raiders and a lot of that is going to be an unknown I mean you know Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph are like man what exactly is McDaniels offense going to look like thank goodness it's week two and not week one and then of course Sean McVay and we know what a Sean McVay offense can do to any defense it's very advanced and uh, there's always going to be a ton of eye candy and distractions to mess with a young linebacker's eyes a large spotlight a bright spotlight on both Collins and Simmons J.J. Watts a guest on the Dave Hash podcast asked by Hash about success for those two young inside linebackers um I think it's all about time you put in and I think it's about repetition and 
just consistency. I think that the more time that you're able to commit to the job and that you're able to learn and grow and the more time that you have to learn the playbook and the plays and see as many looks as possible, whether it's walkthroughs, whether it's practice, whether it's off-season program, training camp, whatever it may be, and being able to do those things over and over and over again, that's when you really get good. I think that uh, having an off-season program is going to help them a lot because we haven't had one a true off-season program for a few years, especially since they've been in the league. So everything is trending in that direction. But going back to what you mentioned earlier as we began this segment, Paul, as far as, okay, how long do you put those two in position to make plays if they're not making plays? And all of a sudden the worry is, all right, yeah, they need to develop, they need reps, but I'm sorry, we need to win this game. We need to win games, plural, to get where we want to go as a team. I'll give you two quick examples. Brandon Williams, season opener 2016, third-round rookie corner out of Texas A&M, had been a former running back, so he was green. He was raw as a corner, unbelievably athletic. He was on the field for that Jimmy G touchdown pass to Chris Hogan, if I remember, that went the length of the field, 50 yards plus, that cost the Cardinals the season opening game, and Bruce Arians continued to cite that through the rest of the season. It just set things off on the wrong tone. Now go to Isaiah Simmons' debut, 2020, in an empty Levi Stadium in Santa Clara because of the pandemic, and he had the wildfire, and it's all smoky. It's surreal, and then what happens? Raheem Mostert comes out of the backfield. I believe it was Raheem Mostert, and it was the Niners running back who, boom, on that wheel route, smokes Isaiah Simmons, who had a bit of a mental error there, he gone. Cardinals got down early, came back, won that opener. It was close, but that was costly. Two rookies in their regular season debuts as a starter on defense. And the offense, it's a game of matchups. They targeted both guys to great success. And for Simmons, it was a while before we saw him consistently back on the field yeah. as a defense. It's one thing, it's again, true. here as we talk about patience in July. How patient can you be? in September when all of a sudden the lights are on for real and all of a sudden it's okay we need these games to make the playoffs and that's why I think that determination will be made at least midway through camp because the preseason games won't tell you much they'll know in camp and then they'll adjust accordingly and we'll be out there and the open portions of practice everyone will see what exactly is Zaven Collins being tasked to do well if you want to see Zaven Collins in action Arizona Cardinals single game tickets available right now azcardinals.com slash tickets for more information it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek get your seats in a seat here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network Jackson on first down, wants to throw, going deep, looking for Hollywood Brown, end zone, touchdown, Hollywood Brown! Surprise, surprise, he is a guy that makes sense for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, two years of controlled costs, uh, getting a dynamic receiver who's played inside, outside, obviously the chemistry with our quarterback, and a guy who can be a dynamic vertical threat, which is something we were looking for, as well as... I had a very strong feeling that the board was going to fall the way it did, and I'm awfully glad that we made this trade. Flashback April, just a couple of months back, General Manager Steve Kime watching how the 2022 NFL draft unfolded. Six, count them, six wide receivers off the board before the Cardinals were even on the clock. But at that point, the Cardinals had already sent their first-round draft pick to Baltimore in exchange 
for Hollywood Brown. And, Paul, I am looking forward to knowing what Brown can do yes. for the Arizona Cardinals, specifically those first six weeks when you do not have DeAndre Hopkins. And you might only look at this in two ways. The first six games, and then, all right, now what we all anticipated when the trade was made. Hey, Hop on one side, Hollywood on the other. What do opposing defenses, specifically secondaries, do against the Cardinals? In picking number 23, I like the fact you cited the draft because let's just say one of those big six receivers had been there. Guess what? They wouldn't be plug and play like Hollywood Brown is right now. Not only does he have three years in the league, not only does he have a 1,000-yard receiving season under his belt, but he also has history with the quarterback to the point where they're in the OTAs and they're already making contact contact and adjustments and hand signals. I mean, this is ready to go, which you absolutely need minus DeAndre Hopkins. Look at Traylon Burks, right? The kid out of Arkansas who went to the Titans. Not only has he been missing OTAs with asthma issues, but he's been struggling mentally with the playbook. He's at best their number three receiver for Tennessee minus A.J. Brown right now. So you can't just go get a big-time talent in round one and think that he's going to contribute immediately, but guess what? That is the case with the Hollywood Brown in this offense. The known versus the unknown, and a lot of people will go with the known and Hollywood Brown has improved his numbers every single season those numbers are only expected to be better with Kyler Murray as his quarterback Brown in fact on what we here in Arizona can expect from him this season Uh, it's been a lot of big plays I mean I play with a lot of passion uh, a lot of excitement I haven't even showcased anything I really could do in the NFL yet Whatever the team asked me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what I did in Baltimore. And, you know, I'm very excited of the potential that I can I can do in this offense. And he should be, Paul, because yeah. he'll be featured in this offense. He was not featured in Baltimore. Look, the Cardinals not only wanted Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown wanted the Cardinals. He wanted this offense. As much as he respects Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, he wanted out of that offense. Greg Roman's run first, second, and third offense, and then after that, we're going to get it to the tight end, and then after that, Lamar Jackson's going to run it. Guess what? He was far from their first option, even though he was their number one receiver. Now, think of Hollywood Brown with more targets. Think of Hollywood Brown getting more targets downfield. Think of Hollywood Brown once DeAndre Hopkins gets back and gets that number one receiver attention from the defense, which Hollywood Brown used to get with Baltimore. Now, all of a sudden, if he's single-covered, look out. The potential to unlock a lot more production out of Hollywood Brown is definitely there. And stretching the defense, getting that play, that big play when you need it, the long ball, because that is where Kyler Murray excels. He's one of the better, if not the best, deep ball throwers in the league. And now he's got not just a friend, but a best friend on one side talking about Hollywood Brown, head coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's up to him to figure out a way for Kyler and Hollywood to connect Kingsbury on the big playability of his new wide receiver. He can stretch the defense, there's no doubt. Vertically, I mean, he can really roll. He had a bunch of big plays last year. Could have had more, I felt like. And um, that's an aspect, you know, having A.J. Rondell, him, guys that can can stretch the field from all angles is going to be good for us. 11 touchdowns of 20 or more yards since 2019. That is what Hollywood Brown has done. And they did that with an offense that typically doesn't like to throw the ball down the field. Imagine now within this offense, again, how much do we see it in the first six weeks versus the latter? 
latter half of the season where there's some attention diverted away from number two. And look, everything Christian Kirk was, and we all love Christian Kirk, he really excelled as an inside receiver, as a slot receiver. Hollywood Brown, by all accounts, is a legitimate outside receiver, so he can use that speed in a much better way to stretch that defense. It was so frustrating how many times the last two years when the Cardinals' offense would bog down, a lot of times defense had the ability to run two high safeties, keep everything underneath, just, you know, you're not going to be able to do that now if a Hollywood Brown is able just to take it deep from the outside angle and then uh, underneath you have a Zacher, it's a Trey McBride and some of those drag routes. Think of last year when DeAndre Hopkins was on the field and how wide open Zach Ertz was. So you hope that has that sort of trickle-down effect of what Hollywood Brown could do for everyone else. If you worry about the 5'9", 180 frame, which you don't typically like to see as an outside wide receiver, you want those taller wide receivers. No offense, Paul. You want those six feet and taller pass catchers but if you're able to beat your man off the line of scrimmage get that separation doesn't matter how tall you are how short you might be as a wide receiver you're open by three or four (laughs) yards and that's what Hollywood Brown was able to do since he entered the league and him and Rondell Moore two fine diminutive Americans by the way Craig I opened that door for you if you look at some of the next gen stats and the other analytics Rondell Moore had more separation per yard and route run than virtually any receiver out there so now you got to get him downfield get that sort of separation same with Hollywood Brown who by the way he gets more cushion than any other receiver in the NFL according to Hollywood Brown he told us on an episode of the Big Red Rage that the analytics will tell you that the corners stay off him a lot more more. So great. If they're going to do that, here comes James Conner and company. We're just going to run the ball. And if you're going to give us three yards and a cloud of dust right there off the bat, we'll take advantage of that. James Conner, the ability to break tackles. Now a three-yard run becomes four or five. That's where the Cardinals offense really gets rolling. And it's a tougher tell between whether they're going to run it or throw it. And all of these things, I'm very curious to see how Cliff Kingsbury incorporates them once the season gets going because, yeah, he's got a lot of weapons at his disposal. A lot of questions here during this episode of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. But it's a question, a positive question, wondering what's going to happen with this offense with Hollywood Brown. There's an excitement level. Absolutely. And, And you know what? I think this is the guy, this is just me, that Cliff Kingsbury wanted from the beginning. It's one of the reasons that they drafted an Andy Isabella. The elite speed. What can you do with that sort of receiver in this sort of offensive scheme? And we're all curious to find out. We'll find out soon enough. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Almohundro, technical director, Zach Larson. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.